Yo, what's up? You're listening to the Keeping It Raw podcast. And I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. What's up, guys? Today, we're going to be talking about something a little different. We're going to be talking about race in America. Talking about race in America, where it really comes from, what it's like, and what it means. Is America racist in and of itself? I was doing this uh, in preparation uh, based on a lot of information I'd gotten uh, from a religious standpoint. And um, the point of it was to kind of see where the roots of most religion comes from, uh, specifically my religion. So, uh, and I'll tie that into the overall theme of the show, which is, is America racist? And, uh, it, it was pretty interesting the things I found and I thought it was at least worth sharing. Uh, and so I want you to just relax, just chill out. I'm not going to give you a doom and gloom and I'm not going to give you everything sunny in Philadelphia. All right. So let's just chill out. Um, so in my study on um, race and religion, uh, from the beginning of time, God created Adam and Eve. Okay. And if you believe that, then you also believe that uh, at the point where God flooded the earth and God decided to repopulate um, the earth, that uh, when he did that, a famous tower was constructed. This tower is known as the Tower of Babel. And uh, this tower was a design from man man said if god's gonna punish again punish us again if god is going to um if god is going to flood the earth again then we're going to build this tower so that we can save ourselves and so they constructed this tower and it reached high and high into the sky and god as a result became angry and he said you know i'm gonna make a promise and uh, that i will not flood the earth again and as a sign of that covenant god said you know i'm gonna create a rainbow and every time you see a rainbow it's just a sign of my promise to you that i will not flood the earth again as a punishment of that he decided that he was going to have everybody speak in different languages people were already from around the world there were already people coming from all around the world to the central location to build this tower so there was already diversity there but language became diverse at the moment the Tower of Babel was realized. And that's why it's called the Tower of Babel. And that's what Babel means is a mixture of languages. So that's uh, initially where all this separation comes from. And in those days, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. Jews were God's chosen people. Gentiles were <laughs> represented to everybody else on the face of the earth. Uh, <laughs> now, um, there was a clear separation. If you have any kind of studying of the Bible, you're going to know that God loved the Jews and, you know, promoted waging war on Gentiles. And then at some point that stops. Uh, and mostly it's noticeable when uh, Jesus Christ himself is crucified. He utters the words, it is finished when he dies and uh, the veil is ripped and torn in two. Uh, the veil separated a couple things. It was um, very uh, 
symbolic for a couple things. One, it granted access from an average person to uh, the presence of God. The veil in the temple, in the tabernacle, where God sat, his presence sat, uh, was this veil. And it separated people from the... (laughs) from the innermost parts of this temple tabernacle to the most holy of holies okay and so when god uttered the words it is finished the veil was rent okay that means it was split and when that happened more people gained access to it now this isn't supposed to be a bible lesson bible study or whatever uh but it was symbolic because it was one of the first instances we saw uh, diversity as a result of an action. And so when the veil was rent, it not only allowed people to enter into the throne room of God, but it allowed uh, people who were not Jews to be part of this. And so that's where Christianity comes from. That's where uh, most of the major religions as a result of God come from. And um, while there is a lot of, um, you know, speculation about Catholicism itself uh, being a major part of this. uh, That's where uh, Catholicism itself was kind of uh, really ended because what happened was uh, we're not getting into like the 13th or the 17th kind of meetings regarding the start of Catholicism and their agreements and such, but we are going to get into, uh, uh, you know, it should be mentioned Catholicism itself was one way that people were suppressed and oppressed. And when Martin Luther wrote his 95 theses about problems with the church and things like that, uh, that's when a lot of people started realizing and their eyes started opening. So Catholicism had a Bible that could only be read in one language. And then after that, translators came and started writing the Bible in their own language so that everybody can be part of this. And that was a huge movement um, that allowed for a lot of diversity to take place. Okay, so now we get to um, Christianity America. So Christianity, of course, everybody knows that America was founded on uh, Christianity. Um, Whether you're Quaker and such, it doesn't matter. Now, um, having said that, there is a big movement, a Pentecostal movement, and that wasn't initiated until the early 1900s. It was mostly initiated as a result of Charles Parham. Charles Parham uh, had a Bible school, and he wanted to see if what took place in the Bible could take place now. And one of the major moves was the gift of the Holy Ghost can the Holy Ghost, which is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you want, can it be enacted today? Is it a uh, present practice? Okay. So uh, this is a major cornerstone in bringing people together, regardless of your background, ethically, ethnically, (laughs) or culturally. So he had this school. He has his people research, you know, Can we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Can the bigger aspect of this was speaking in tongues? Can people speak in tongues? And so after studying and learning and practicing and worshiping God, they started speaking in tongues. And so 
uh, one of the people that was present during this, um, and I use that term loosely, his name was William Seymour. William Seymour was an African-American man. And William Seymour, uh, because he was black, wasn't allowed to sit in the classroom. He had to sit outside and he would listen either in the hallway or through the window. And he took these practices and went to Los Angeles, California, and started a church on Azusa Street. It was called the Azusa Street Missionary. Uh, I'm sorry, the Azusa Street Mission. And as a result of that, uh, people from all different nationalities were able to come together and worship. Well, his teacher, Charles Parham, who he would always say good things about. Charles Parham taught this. Charles Parham taught that. He invited Charles Parham, his you know mentor. It was a big guy for him. He was his professor, his teacher. So he brought him over and he said, you know, preached him. And so Charles Parham came over, witnessed this revival that was happening. It was well documented in newspapers at that time uh, and was disgusted. And upon the things that he felt were wrong, he listed out a plethora of curses towards them openly worshiping and worshiping uh, among cultural differences. So they were black people, they were white people, they were Spanish people, and that was a huge problem to him. And from then on, uh, <laughs> you know, William Seymour himself wasn't a fan of Charles Parham anymore and made it known. And so Charles Parham decided, you know what, I'm going to move to L.A. and I'm going to start my own church here. And uh, so the Pentecostal movement, which is one of the fastest growing movements uh, regarding religion in America uh, and one of the most charismatic movements, has uh, has roots that are that are from racism you know, being treated uh, in a bad way. You know, while Pentecostal movement itself isn't racist, it got its roots from a man who was treated bad because of his race. Uh, a movement from the start of a, a congregation there at the Azusa Street Mission that uh, was multicultural. And so a lot of uh, religions uh, or a lot of churches today are either multicultural or not okay which sounds like a dumb thing to say a pointless thing to say but i will say that it is interesting because um those churches that aren't are either not multicultural because of the demographics of the population or they uh only know how to reach one group okay so uh having said that we move into America itself. So America is made up of over 300 million people. Now, uh, of these 300 million people, 200 million are white. The other percentage, uh, it's a small percentage, I think 18 million are Spanish and 11 million are African American or black, uh, is how they identify. So, I mean, it's, it's as if you took a group of 33 people off the bat, 20 of them are white and the rest are made up of different minorities in America, Spanish, Hispanics, uh, they make up, uh, the biggest minority, uh, followed by, uh, blacks. And then of course, other ethnic groups after that, uh, when we talk about jailed inmates, which is a huge topic, uh, we have, uh, 
gelled it inmates by ethnicity uh we have uh whites which represent uh 340,000 inmates whites and african americans which make up 308,000 um hispanics or latino make up less than half of that so the population density is majority white but when we took look at inmates whites and african americans or blacks are virtually tied now they're not exactly even but there's a huge disparity uh regarding what we're talking about in it doesn't mean that blacks are more likely to commit a crime what this means is that there is a disparagement in this now i'm not one of those people that feel like oh well if there are more whites in america then more whites need to be incarcerated you know to because it needs to be exactly even you know it's it's never going to be like that you know sometimes when people feel oppressed they act differently okay and so um a lot of this uh, mass incarceration that is at the forefront of the news now has less to do with race. Uh, I'm sorry, has less to do with uh, crime and more to do with uh, disparagement of race. And so, what is the disparagement of race? Why is it that way? Um, for years, you know, there have been laws that seem to have targeted people that the majority of people were afraid of. And so that's why we have obnoxious slayings and killings. We have uh, a ridiculous high number of lynching. That's why lynching was such a big deal is because it was it wasn't done as often as you would have thought it should have been done or it it wasn't done as often as uh, it seems like it it was. But when it was done, it was so prominent. It was so um, it was so, uh, I guess, uh a big light was shine, shown upon it because they wanted to send a message. Uh, most people lynched because of fear, because of ignorance, right? There is no okaying any of that at all. But um, when it came to the crimes of, and punishment that were committed, there was a disparity. And it was heavily noted the difference between um, a white uh being locked up and incarcerated uh if we think about um uh glorifying old gangsters you know babyface nelson um uh jesse james uh, bonnie and clyde we glorified these white people who were criminals and then we have nothing good regarding black people who were criminals. Uh, you have a lot of people that were locked up and put in jail, mostly for civil rights are the ones that are noted now. Um, but, and I'm not saying we need to look at, you know, uh, upgrading our viewpoint of African-American criminals. But when we talk about the disparagement of the two, then there is certainly a difference. Um, now, uh, 
we in the 80s had a huge drug epidemic and a lot of people feel like that drug epidemic was targeted towards minorities and uh while the numbers are statistically higher amongst minorities, there's no proof ever that came out that said it was targeted towards minorities. As a result of that, minorities found a way to live off of that and try to capitalize that, whether that was dealing drugs or taking the drugs. And because of that, um, there was a higher number of African-Americans incarcerated because of it. And so what uh, states, some states did, including California, they instituted a three strikes law. If you got caught doing the same thing three different times, you would get an automatic life sentence. And uh, in 94, a crime bill was passed. And it was passed by Democrats. Uh, one of the co-writers of that bill was Joe Biden. Uh, a big proponent for the bill, of course, that came out in 2016's presidential elections, uh, Hillary Clinton was a They used terms like super predator that they would call these people, including uh, uh, tactics towards mass incarceration. As a result of this, many homes in the black community, which is well prominent um, now, as far as the information that... Uh, this hurt them more this affected them more and so you had many homes that uh, had no fathers um, there were of course women plenty of women locked up as a result of this uh, but when you have fatherless homes everybody knows that the nuclear family which is a father mother and two children the nuclear family is strongest among all families and have a higher statistic of actually successing succeeding in life uh, towards a lot of different goals so um, certainly mass incarceration has a huge impact uh, towards that now when we look at the poverty rate the poverty rate in America in the last 60 years has changed so much uh, in the last 60 years uh, African Americans were at 60% poverty, meaning that one, uh, I'm sorry, meaning that six out of every 10 African Americans were in the poverty level, 60%. So six out of every 10. Now it's less than 20. And it is less than 20 for every demographic in the United States. Every demographic, whether you're white, Asian, Hispanic, or black, we are all getting closer and closer to the thread. See, uh, white and Asian Americans have always been under 20% in the poverty level. 20% of the population has always been in the poverty level, less than 20%. Hispanics and African Americans have always been above 20%, up as high as 60%. And now, as we're all dwelling down into the same statistic it means that more and more americans of any race have a better chance and their chances of being born poor or being poor is lower than it was uh, in the last 60 years so it's looking good so is america racist in my opinion america is not racist and that is based on the numbers of uh, people being in poverty 
and the fact that we don't have as many hate crimes as people think we do. Is there extreme violence towards uh, a certain race? Statistics don't say so. In fact, statistics prove the opposite. Uh, and, you know, in when, if we're going to make assumptions based on, you know, what's in the news, then those assumptions are certainly going to be wrong. Uh, but what we can learn from this and what America faces in terms of racial justice and equality is that if you want to flatline the numbers among every race, then what's got to be flatlined is the population because you're not going to get a true indicator towards anything. You know, I saw one article that said uh, we have uh, a very few number of uh, black generals uh, or uh, African-Americans in the highest ranks of the military. And all I think is, well, there's fewer African-Americans in the military than other races, you know. And so you can't compare, you know, when you compare these things uh, in most facets of ethnic diversity, it's going to be apples to oranges because you're just not going to get the same numbers because if you want to flatline every number, well, let's take the 33 people and 20 of them are white and adjust that to every certain demographic that seems to be a disparity that people want to point out, whether it's the prison system. Uh, what, and so uh, the things that can be fixed are criminal justice and the reform when um, more people based on your dollar, uh, can get better assistance, uh, from criminal defense. That's a harmful thing. It's not fair. It's not a fair system. Um, but is America racist? Well, I don't sh show any facet of that, that, I mean, there are plenty of racist countries. If you want to look it up, all you have to do is Google the most racist countries in the world and you'll get an answer to that one. But is America racist? No. If America was racist, we'd be... A, now, America has done some bad things. You know, and most people, when they say America, they think white. So, has America done bad things? Has Have white people done bad things? Absolutely. In fact, most of the world was conquered. America was one of those places. We punished and hurt and killed so many Native Americans in this country that if any race needs reparations, that is it. Oh, we put them, we gave them reservations. Yeah, you moved them to a des desert in most cases and said, here, take this desert that nobody wants, has no running water. Take that, deal with it. And wonder why these people, uh, Native Americans, you know, have a big epidemic on their hands, whether it's sex trafficking, whether it's uh, alcoholism. You know, they have these demons they're fighting because they're trying to adapt to a new culture because they were pushed away. African-Americans, African-Americans, uh, part of all Africans who were traded all over the world, who were slaves all over the world, uh, it's started in Africa themselves. Africa enslaved their own people. Then they started selling them to Europe. Then they started selling them to America. And America was one of the last countries to keep slaves. <laughs> but it's not the last country to keep slaves. Now, when we think about that, uh, that's... an seems to be an unfair statistic it's not a popular stance it's not a, a popular fact but nonetheless it's a fact and uh 
you know, especially uh, Hispanic Americans. Well, America waged war on Mexicans and won uh, Texas, Nevada, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, California, Utah, and California, all, uh, Colorado, all these places, which was a Mexico <laughs> and is not anymore. And now we have a border to make sure they don't come back. So, you know, is, Mer is America racist? No, we have too many leaders to prove it. But is there a disparity in some treatment? Absolutely. There are things that we can fix, but it is not a racist country. And to think so would, by definition, make you a racist. And that's my two cents.